0: This is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. My name is Dr. Chadrick James Galloway, and I'm here to talk about affirmative action. And for the people that are listening to this, or who, that are like reading the upload date, um, we're in August now. Uh, the affirmative action decision came in at the end of June. I think June 27th, maybe. I think when, it's when the Supreme Court. Uh, came out with 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 the decision and so I'm'm I'm, I'm here to give my take or, or two cents on it and even why I waited so long to to want to even discuss it you know originally when the decision came down even before the decision came down I, maybe I'm just a cynic or you know something I, I don't know um, when I saw the case uh, hit uh, in November when they were you know, doing the the whole arguments and whatnot, I I was like, Oh, of course, they're gonna strike down affirmative action. Like this makes perfect sense for not only the state that the country is in, but the political landscape of of um, our laws, of the Supreme Court, of our education system nationwide, but also in states. Of course, I'm talking about um, the the anti-CRT, the anti-DEI, taking the, the anything to do with race or diversity, or gender, or sexual orientation out. The stuff that's been very popularized by. Um, states like Texas and Florida, but of course politicians, uh, albeit governors, uh, state legislators, um, of course national uh, officials as well. And so um, <clears throat> just looking at the way things have 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 gone have went the past couple of months uh, year, two, three, four, five years uh, since Trump 2016, even uh, if you if you want to go back that far, you can just tell that there's been a uh, a pushback or a white lash, if you want to call that from from President even President Obama, um, and a, a basically attack on anything that has to do with um, with with diversity, equity, inclusion, race, gender, sexual orientation, any of those uh, topics. You could even say there was another huge revolt bump after uh, the deaths of of, of George Floyd. Uh, Mood, Aubrey, Breonna Taylor—that kind of sparked the the the, the summer protests for for Black Lives Matter. And so, you know, it for for me, looking at all of the all all of the stuff and whatnot regarding uh, the the affirmative action decision, even before it came out, I was like, oh yeah, of course, um, it's gonna happen. This is gonna happen. Uh, they're they're gonna strike it down. Uh, and, and and you know I I struggle talking about this because in some ways it in my mind um, and of course my my mother will say like you have to be more compassionate um, but in my mind I'd be like of course like of course they struck it down why wouldn't they strike down a program that came off of the hills of the civil rights movement or initiatives um, something that was meant to, say hey we had really really bad um white supremacist anti-black society where half of the society worked um forced labor for free um for centuries and didn't have any human rights were treated like property cattle um farm animals whatever you want to call it that is what chattel slavery was um And even after that, uh, going into uh, segregation, um, lynchings, uh, mutilation of black bodies for centuries within the United States of America, that didn't stop even after slavery ended, even after the Civil Rights Act was passed, uh, even after uh, decades and decades and decades of protest and pushes for racial justice, Of course, of course, there was going to be a time where some of these policies or some of these acts or some of these initiatives were going to be repealed and pushed back. Of course, there was going to be retrenchment. And to be fair, it's not like affirmative action just became a testy issue. We've been talking about affirmative action for decades, the 70s and the 80s. There's been court cases Every couple of years since it since it's been rolled out. <clears throat> and of course, a Supreme Court case like every decade, every 20, every uh, at least every 10, 10, 15, 20 years. Right. Like there's always something that's coming out regarding affirmative action because people in power, um, people who um, operate in immense privilege in a white supremacist society think that it discriminates against them. Um, And of course, that's just a a talking point uh, to 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 rile uh, those individuals who think or or feel that way. And so to to kind of. Talk about this, this case, it was a a different case, a new case, because, again, the uh, the people who brought on this this case, they were Asian, they were Asian um, of the Asian community. Asian American community, and of course, they were talking about Harvard and UNC Chapel Hill, um, but mostly, you know, focusing on Harvard. That there was discrimination because, based on how well uh, this population does with with testing, test scores, the the ACT SAT scores, that their population should be higher at Harvard, um, <clears throat> which is fair that is a fair assessment if um that's a that's a a fair thing to think hey my test scores equal this uh you say test scores matter you say gpa matters you say all these extracurriculars matter well why the heck is my population group or why the heck did i in quotes of course not get in right like it makes sense that someone would come and say yep gonna bring gonna bring on a court case around this right and so you know i think there were holes to poke in it from the jump i also think that when we when we talk about some of these dei initiatives or affirmative action in general i i I think that there are ways that it could have been done better i think there are ways that harvard could have done better i think um and and if i remember the points uh as i'm kind of rambling i'll try to to, 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 to kind of talk, talk about it and bring that out. But I, in, in some ways, um, in many ways, I think people who support social justice, racial justice, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, get comfortable and, 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 and feel safe. Like certain tools will always be untouchable. Like certain things, once they come into the world or come into existence, um, can't be pushed back. And so I think in some ways folks get too comfortable and they don't try to develop or recreate or evolve strategies and practices that they're using to to make them cleaner and to figure out who should be getting the support. Before we go to who should be, who is getting the support, who should be getting the support and how are we constantly trying to to clean up what we are doing to protect and insulate the policies that we've created so that we can sustain them, right? I think coming from an institution that uh, is so ripe with money and wealth and privilege and power, that wouldn't be a hard thing to figure out. But I was wrong, and you know what? I went to the University of Michigan. They had their own case um, in the early 2000s as well, so it's not like it's just, you know, the Harvard. UT Austin had theirs, UCLA, I know Berkeley had theirs. leave uh if i'm not mistaken um so but my point here is that there is a way to do race-based admission policies gender-based policies um fairly right like there's there's ways to do them fairly and there's ways that that it can make sense i personally think the way that affirmative action has been enacted has been jacked up because it's not necessarily and it hasn't necessarily supported the groups that, that need the most support. And so, you know, when we talk about affirmative action, if we, if we say affirmative action was created, you know, coming off of the hills of the civil rights movement to try and undo some of the racial injustices that black Americans have faced in the United States, then the next question is, who are or how many black Americans have benefited from affirmative action or race-based emissions? How many have benefited? I'm not talking about people who um, ended up coming to the United States via immigration. I'm not talking about um, individuals who um, who aren't black, for that matter. I'm not talking about um, wh- what I am talking about. Let me just say what I am talking about. What I am talking about is how many descendants, black slave descendants, benefited from affirmative action, if that's what it was created for, and if it was meant to help out and to serve a population who built these institutions and built this country and and faced, literally in a, lived in an apartheid after they were free, if a policy was meant to help them, then why is it, when we talk about affirmative action in general, White women benefited the most. Why is it that we don't look at ethnicity of of black people to see are black American slave descendant people, are they actually benefiting from this policy? Are they getting into these undergraduate institutions? Are they getting into these graduate programs? Would think people would be very very surprised to look at and see that that policy didn't help black slave descendant black american slave descendant peoples the most now that does not mean that there are not other groups that this country owes that does not mean that there are not other black nations that this country does not owe or Hispanic and Latinx nations, that this country does not know. That does not mean that Europe doesn't have a debt to pay for its role in enslavement of black Africans, for its colonization, of global colonization, right, Um, uh, even into Asia, right? That does not mean that is not the case. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when we sit down to make policies, and if we are going to make policies, and if we are going to implement policies, we better understand the history of why they were created. And then we have to do our job and study the heck out of them, and figure out who is benefiting from them, who should be benefiting from them, and what tweaks can we make to to ensure. That we cover ourselves so that these programs can be protected. Because there is no way that affirmative action should have ended. However, if you dig into some of these briefs, particularly from from Clarence Thomas, and I am not a fan of, of him, of his. But he pulled out some of that. He teased out. This point around are black slave descendant Americans benefiting from this program? That's not a wild thought or wild idea if those are the people that built the country, if those are the people that were getting lynched after the country was built. Again, it doesn't mean that there aren't other policies and 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 programs and things that can be put in place to help and support other groups. Everybody deserves the equity that they need in order to be successful. But if we are saying something is meant to be for black Americans, black slave descendant Americans, and it begins to harm other people, other groups, um, or other well not that it begins to harm other groups. If it if it uh, being to support other people in other groups because it's not being applied in the way that it should have been or the way that it may have been attended to. It's a problem. It's a problem. And so I think this is an opportunity to for, for people who want race based admissions or social identity based admissions. This is an opportunity for us to go back to the drawing board. This is an opportunity for us to be extraordinarily creative with how to rethink and re-envision and diversify college campuses. That is what we should be trying to figure out right now. Yes, I get it. Affirmative action, You know, they they struck it down to Harvard. They struck it down um, at, at North Carolina. Yep, problem the way that they were implementing it because, of course, they found that they were discriminating against Asian Americans. And looking at the policy, looking at the policy of saying that if they had an Asian American student, they deducted points away but increased points if it was, you know, a student of another racial identity, black or brown student, I can see why someone is upset about that. I can understand why someone is upset about that. This is an opportunity for us to make things better. To work out the the kinks, the issues, the, the problems that may arise. This is an opportunity for us to figure out, also, where is the best place for black students to go? Yes. Harvard's great, Michigan's great, Michigan State, University of Texas, um, I don't know, Rutgers, right? <laughs> like uh, all these PWI, Berkeley, UCLA, right? All these predominantly white, strike white institutions are great and wonderful. Um, but that still doesn't mean that there are things or issues or problems for black, um, black students in general, right, uh, on these campuses, brown students in general on these campuses. And so the other thought process for me here was like, well, hopefully this will also create avenues back to the HBCU or back to um, institutions, uh, minority serving institutions that really need more resources and have the ability uh, will, will, can have the ability to support these populations. And I'm not saying that that is the right thing. I'm not saying that is the best thing. Um, but that that was a, a, a caveat right in, in my mind. Another piece that needs to be thought about and talked about here. And that is kind of frustrating with, with affirmative action. Legacy admissions still exist. Legacy admissions still exists. And so for those that don't know what legacy admission is, let's say I went to the University of Michigan, because I did, and my child wanted to go to the University of Michigan legacy. Chances are raised a bit. Let's say I grease the wheels a little bit, donate some money, right? Chances bump up again. Legacy admissions it's another avenue for students to get into institutions. And if we think about predominantly historically white institutions, but also who's had access to predominantly historically white institutions, it's an avenue for more white folks to be in these spaces of power, but also folks that have have been historically able to attend these campuses, which black people have not always had the ability to do, of course, in the United States. Desegregation of higher education didn't happen and really wasn't enforced until the the mid 60s, early 70s And even into the 80s some states had str- had issues with desegregating their higher education campuses. So you know it's <clears throat> think thinking about this this whole thing this whole this whole affirmative action uh, issue and, and and this lawsuit, and nobody has brought a lawsuit against legacy admissions that they are whole students that are taking up spots. No one's complaining about them, but who we are complaining about, who they are complaining about is the three percents, the two percents, the four percents of black, brown, and indigenous people who got into these institutions because those are the groups that are supposedly taking the spots of, of others. And so it's not the people who are getting in through other means, right? Through legacy that are the problem. They're not the problem because their family went there. So they should be able to attend their legacy. So they belong here. It's the, the discourse, right? And so, For me, detailing how a lot of this has to do with white supremacy and anti-blackness is how whiteness or who by and large are the majority of legacy admits, particularly at an institution like Harvard, um, but other historically white institutions as well. Whiteness is left invisible. It is left unattacked. It is left unharmed, especially in this case where you have people of color who are pushing back against a policy for people of color in minoritized groups largely so that's the, those are the thoughts and I took a while to kind of collect them because it's complicated and it's messy right and it's it's murky and everybody wants not only their group to win but they want their kids to win I want my kid to get into a great school or go to a school go get into the school that he wants to get into I, I want that to happen for him but I'm not going to take away somebody else's um, ability to enter a space because he doesn't I'm not going to raise him to think that it's okay to take something from somebody else because you didn't get it you know it it this affirmative action thing kind of reinforces this idea that meritocracy isn't really a thing in this nation, in this country. It's believed to be, but if it was a thing, why would legacy admissions exist in the first place? Shouldn't those legacy admits be good enough to, on their merit, get into the institution that their parents went to? Why would we need such a program or, or such a uh, privilege? Why would it matter if a multi millionaire donated money to an institution? Shouldn't his child have attended great institutions and schools and gotten the best of the best to be able to get the test scores they need to go to one of these wonderful institutions? And so those are just things that kind of come into my head but that's not the problem that the the general public or people who are against some of these policies and programs see it's not the people in power that are the problem it is the people who are fighting for every inch of power and so you know what's going to be interesting uh is that <laughs> is even though you know uh front of action was a policy that helped people of color um, and a, a group of color took down affirmative action at two of these institutions or at least the how it, how it was being mobilized. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see who's harmed as a result of this. Of course we already know black and brown people will be, but there are also subpopulations within the Asian community. Subpopulations that for whatever reason um, you know, found their way to the United States and have not had the easiest of times here. And so I'm, I'm interested to see who was harmed by this decision and how we will have to fight tooth and nail for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years to push back against it in order to help more individuals received the education that they deserve. This is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. My name is Dr. Chadrick James Galloway, and I'll get at y'all next time. Peace.